Brandon wants to present evidence of God and guarantees this will be the best show ever if his call is taken this time. Wow. Wow. We're, we're in awe, man. Go for it. Well, I cede I the right. floor. <laughs> to a very special holiday episode of The Atheist Experience. Today, we are going to be watching some of the best clips as submitted by you, the audience, over several different categories of The Atheist Experience. We are going to get started very quick here, but there are a couple of things I need to go over before we get started. First of all, you might be wondering who I am, besides suspecting I am some sort of Jesus-Santa Claus hybrid. My name is Jimmy, and I have a channel called Mr. Atheist. I do a lot of response videos, as well as address a lot of the topics that atheists are often confronted with. I also have a show for the Atheist Community of Austin called The Atheist Interviews. Now, if you didn't know already, The Atheist Community of Austin actually has several other shows besides The Atheist Experience. There's that show I just mentioned, The Atheist Interviews, which, after this show, will be airing an interview with Bryce Blakenagle, the host of Naked Mormonism. But there are a lot of other great shows and channels that the ACA produces. And so today, between each clip, we're going to be having very brief, just a couple of minute conversations about the topics that come up with some of those hosts that you may have not seen before, as well as a few appearances from some of the hosts from the Atheist Experience. That is enough of that. Let's move on to the first topic. The Atheist Experience has a lot of cringy callers and a lot of cringy calls. But only one call got the overwhelming vote for what I'm going to present to you now, the facepalm of the year. You start off with a notion that I saw somebody who looks like Jesus when nobody knows what Jesus looks like. There's not a consistent thing. And there's a question as to whether or not Jesus even existed. Well, whether that, that has nothing to do with my point. My point is... Oh, my God. If you start... Jesus, I'm putting your ass on hold. If you start a sentence with, let's say you see someone who looks like Jesus, you don't ever get to come back and say that has nothing to do with my point. If that's the case, then you are absolutely the worst at communicating your point. You literally said this, and I responded to it. Okay, well, let's say this individual that claims to be Jesus... Okay. He tells you, I'm going to give you evidence that I'm God. Okay. And I'm going to go ahead and snap my fingers and all the stars in the universe are going to disappear. All the galaxies and stars. Okay. Then he does it. And then he says, I'm going to break them reappear tomorrow after all your scientists analyze that the universe is gone. Okay. And the next day he snaps his fingers and he does it. Would you tend to believe that? There is credibility, at least, that this is God. I would believe that the individual in question was able to demonstrate an effect that they said they could do. I wouldn't know how or why. It wouldn't prove that they were God. There would be more to do. How does but, it make them God? But it's amazing and intriguing. And the day that something like that happens, then I will have to stop taking stupid calls with hypotheticals that have never, ever happened. But you didn't answer my question. I didn't ask you if you would believe that he is God. I asked you if you would tend to believe that there is more credibility to his suggestion that he is God. 
Well, it would depend on what, is there more credibility than the person who snaps their fingers and nothing happens? Sure. Okay, so then you're admitting that supernatural evidence tends to give more credibility to the idea that what the Bible says is true. No, no, God exists. No, 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 Captain Illogic. Let me finish. Isn't this amazing? I'm, I'm, oh my God. Is this really what you think works? That you have to trick fuck somebody into making your God seem reasonable? All, All I acknowledged was that if somebody came up and did something that amazing, that it would certainly lend more credibility to their claim that they have other powers. But I did not in any, at any point acknowledge that something supernatural occurred because I have no way to demonstrate that. I have no way to tell the difference between something truly supernatural and something natural that I don't understand. I didn't acknowledge the supernatural. All I did was say, hey, a dude that can snap his fingers and make the universe go away and then snap his fingers and bring it back, yeah, that would add credibility to the notion that that person has perhaps some powers. But it doesn't, the fact that it adds more credibility to something doesn't mean that it's reached a level of credibility to reach a conclusion about what it actually is. Any sufficiently advanced uh, technology is indistinguishable from magic. That's Arthur C. Clarke. This is the foundation of skepticism. And the fact that you're going to do, oh, if somebody came in and did this, wouldn't that give credibility? Aha, you just admitted that a demonstration of the supernatural would lend credibility to God. Yes, a true demonstration of the supernatural would lend credibility to God. Call me back when you have a true demonstration of the supernatural. What we just saw there was one of the very many ways that it can be so frustrating to talk with people who have an emotional stake in the game and who aren't as interested in the demonstrations say science will offer them that a scientific theory appears to be valid. They are content enough with word games where they feel like they can get you to say something and that something totally validates their position. You see this a lot with the distinctions that people try to make between agnostic and atheist. I myself describe myself as an agnostic atheist. And a lot of times, the moment you just say that word agnostic, all they hear is, so there's a chance? And once they think you've conceded that maybe there's a chance, regardless of how slight that chance might be, other particularly fun arguments come in. I'll go ahead and point one of those arguments to a wonderful host of an ACA program called Secular Sexuality. This is Christy Powell. Christy, why don't you believe in the supernatural just in case? Yeah, I mean, that's the old C.S. Lewis, Pascal's wager argument. It doesn't hold any water. Uh, what, which supernatural are we supposed to believe in? Because if we believe in Jesus, then we're explicitly told not to believe in Muhammad. And if we don't believe in Muhammad, then we are also going to hell. So there's not really a way around it. You're basically damned if you do, damned if you don't. So I prefer to just not be damned. You know, and I say goddamn to all of this bullshit because I want to live a beautiful life. You know, if we are taking the Bible in particular literally and following through with everything that it says, we're going to be finding all kinds of inconsistencies and problems and things that are just going to make us absolutely miserable. So, no, I'm not just going to go through the motions because it might keep me from going to hell when I'll also be condemned by a dozen other gods. And now over to Don Baker, who has a very brief response to the same question. The question smacks of wishful thinking. 
Why not believe in unicorns just in case? Why not believe in fairies just in case? Why not believe you can fly just in case? The time to believe in something is when there's evidence for it and not before. Thank you, Don. I think that summarizes perfectly what the healthy skeptic's mindset is like. Moving on, we have a lot of fabulous, fabulous people at the ACA, which begs the question, what was the most fabulous clip of the year? The votes are in. Wait no longer to find out. If I'm not mistaken, Phil, uh, you're... You're gay, am I correct? Oh, super gay, super gay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so my question—you'll uh, probably be in a position to ask, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, to answer. Uh, and I don't know if you guys saw like my the screener thing, but yeah. But uh, basically, like, like in general, down there, wherever, in your experience, is it was it harder coming out as being a homosexual, or was it harder to come out as being a uh, uh, atheist? Definitely there were a lot of similarities in uh, coming out as both. Um, They were not done at the same time. Um, I came out as gay before. I came out as atheist, um, mostly because I actually didn't know what the word atheist was. At that time, when I came out as gay, I actually didn't have that word in my vocabulary. But I knew that I was non-religious and adopted all kinds of labels, spiritual, non-religious, and, you know, all that other kind of good stuff. But... Uh, I suppose, uh, given my family and um, the way things have gone, I would lean more towards atheists. Uh, I, when I came being out harder, of, being harder, yes. Uh, when I came out as gay, that was you know my first big come out thing, and so my biggest fear was, well, what happens if I get rejected? Uh, you know, I'm still in school. Uh, I'm still dependent for a lot of services. Insurance was still there. Uh, getting rides to work because I worked out of town. I had to be driven from one city to another. And so I'm just like, well, what happens if all of these services, uh, I would say services, but if all of these um, things that uh, pieces of my family do for me, if that goes away, if I come out, what am I supposed to do? And so I spent years trying to safeguard myself, trying to make sure that I have my own income, that I get my own transportation. I think I mentioned it on the show before. I ate ramen noodles almost every day for about three months or so uh, (laughs) in order to buy my first cash car for uh, $2,225. Wow. Um, So that I can have my own transportation, uh, you know, make sure that I can actually afford my own insurance for health-wise, everything. And so it was like this whole, it was this whole big thing that went into it. And so that was definitely hard on me. So when I came out, I was prepared for the worst, but it didn't happen to be as bad. However, um, a lot of the, even though there, there were some tears shed uh, by several family members, some, uh, some words exchanged here and there uh, when I came out as gay, when I came out as atheist, that hit deeper. That, that's the best way that I can say it. Um, I came out very, it wasn't a formal situation. I didn't sit anyone down. You know, we, we didn't have that conversation on the couch. I started posting things on Facebook about uh, different volunteer activities that I was doing uh, and you know, with this atheist group here, Atheist Helping the Homeless or Atheist Community of Boston or whatever else. And so it was kind of a roundabout way that, oh, you're volunteering with these people. Well, why are you volunteering with this group? Um, I've got a lot of those questions. Because those are my peeps. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Phil is one of my favorite people at the ACA. He and I actually sat down for one of my first atheist interviews in that series. And I think he does a great job of demonstrating how the atheist community is so inclusive. And it, it may be the most inclusive community I have met so far. So I thought there was no better person in this instance to ask, Phil, who do you think the atheist community is for? When you say, who is the atheist community for, it's... It's kind of hard to place because in my experience, it's been really for everyone. And I know for me, as a member of the LGBTQ community, uh, it's been a very welcome uh, change. It wasn't specifically the reason that I started questioning, but it was one of those things that kind of led me to start questioning the beliefs that I grew up with. And it... You know, I've found a community that was there that was accepting. This is not to say that religious communities, all of them, are not accepting of LGBT persons because there are several denominations or just individual groups around that are. But I feel that in this community uh, here at the ACA or down in San Antonio with FACT or Black, black non-believers, which is a uh, national organization, that there is a space for me to voice the experiences that I have. Uh, there are people there that think that it's relevant, that it's something that they actually want to listen to and want to hear a different perspective, something that they haven't experienced in their own life as they're trying to understand where it is that I'm coming from as an African-American gay male atheist in this movement, how I see myself in that movement. And so I think the atheist community is really for everyone, including, honestly, people that are still believers of some type, because even though people are believers, you can still come here and find acceptance and find community and interact with people. And you may have your beliefs challenged. You may not. There are people that are friends of the ACA, people that you know come and go to shows that are still believers, uh, even whether they're deistic or they actually have a denomination that they follow, but they still hang around to enjoy the company because this community really reaches out. This has been off to a great start and we are well on our way to our funniest clip of the year and our actual best clip of the year. However, the next one takes a different direction. This next clip is meant to pull at your heartstrings. And so I submit for your approval, the most heartfelt clip of the year. I'm actually on the edge of my faith and I just need one final push. I'm a Christian universalist. I believe that everything and everyone will be reconciled to God. Uh, including you and any other person. No, okay, uh, so, so, yeah. so you believe, your, your view of this is that even though I actively don't believe in God, that we're all still going yeah. to spend eternity together. Yeah, in heaven. Okay, then what, clearly then belief doesn't make any difference. And if everybody goes there... No, uh, yeah, I know, um, that's, that's that's the major reason I'm calling because I want to get out of this. It's just that I have a fear in my in my mind that um, I'm going to be losing out on something in life. But yeah, I have you. You guys have given me a lot of push, and I'm here for you for you guys to convince me that there is no God because I am actually at the edge of my that, That's a mistake, now. Sam. 
it's not up to us or anybody to prove that there's no God. The point is you should not believe that there's a God until there's evidence for it. You're worried that you're going to miss out on some happiness in life. But do you have any reason to believe that that's the case? No. Okay, then to me it sounds more like a threat. It, it, it sounds more like, hey, you'd better keep pretending that you believe or acting as if you believe, otherwise your life's going to be bad. And that, to me, sounds like a threat. Yeah, I agree. If you're worried about missing out on happiness in your life and you've already attempted suicide, um, it doesn't seem to me that, that the religion th that is supposed to be giving you happiness is doing what it says it's going to do at all. Yeah. And so, uh, the first thing, setting aside what you believe or how you label yourself or anything else, um, I very much want to encourage you to reach out to somebody to talk about suicidal ideations and things like that, um, because if the religion that you, you've been taught is true, then this life is just a place to wipe, wipe your feet before the real life begins. But if it's not, and, and this is the one and only life that you're going to get, then it has immense value. And you should be working to make sure that this life is as good for you as possible, not trying to leave it to get to the better world. Thank you. I, I, I just wanted to clarify because I was in such an emotional trap at that time. And right now I am at the edge of my faith. I am in the literal edge of my faith. So I guess I'm an atheist now. Thank you guys. Hey. Thank you so much. Hey. And you got our huge round of applause. There are a lot of people who meet that fear as they start to question their faith that that meaning will be lost. If you don't believe in God, what is there to believe in? But for a lot of people, it's actually an emotional and an important thing to be able to see what that meaning could be on the other side of belief. I want to hand this one over to Quell Woliner. Claire is a host of Parenting Beyond Belief, another ACA program. Claire, many people believe that to be an atheist means to have no meaning. So for you, what are those things that have brought meaning to your life sans faith? That question is usually asked by people who have recently deconverted. To me, that probably means you're trying to fill that God-shaped hole in your heart. And that's not a make-believe thing. There is a God-shaped part in your brain, really. When they look at the brains of people who are feeling the spirit or uh, the presence of God, certain parts of their brain light up. You can light those places up in your brain without God. Life is too short to not tell people you love them and why. Every week, since life is so long, you can take the time to nurture a relationship that you haven't nurtured for a while. Call somebody you haven't talked to in, in months, weeks, maybe years, whatever, and just catch up. For me, if you're on this planet and metabolizing, you owe the planet. So meaning can be found there. So look for ways to make life easier for other people and Look for ways to compensate the planet for the impact you have on it. We all literally owe the planet at least that much. Planting trees, that sort of thing. It sounds a little crunchy, but we really do need to take better care of the planet. If you bemoan um, global warming and the impact we're having, do something. Do something about it. I hope 
you can find somebody out there that you can give a hug to and tell them that you love them and that they can tell you the same. Take good care. I think that's a great answer. And if I could add a couple of things here, what I find most frustrating is the number of things that people think give them meaning in religion that are exclusive to religion, as though art, music, painting, those things, morality, being a kind person, being a charitable person, as though those are actual tenets of religion only. I find great meaning in all of those things myself. And to tell you the truth, how much they mean to me and the amount of joy they bring me has increased now that I do those things for myself because I just want to, as opposed to before where it was on behalf of a God who was promising me presents after I die if I did these things, or to avoid all of the threats he had made if I didn't do those things. Anyone who's seen my channel has undoubtedly heard this, but for those of you who don't know, I grew up as a rather devout Mormon, and a lot of people recognize Mormons as apparently very happy. But as someone who's been on the inside, who is now on the outside, I can tell you that I feel more fulfillment and more joy and more happiness as an atheist than I ever did as a Mormon. But now we move on to category number four, and that is the best guest appearance of the year. And to tell you the truth, my guess is most of you have already guessed. I just use the word guest, guest, and guest a lot. Anyway, take it away. The best guest appearance of 2018. The Bible is for your heart, not your head, and you have personal testimony on how prayer works because your wife was cured. Oh my gosh, this is the Kirk Cameron circumvention. Hey, hey, this, he's on live. I, I know, but it, it just... It, how about a little kindness here to I'm welcome just, John? My wife was formally diagnosed with uh, PTSD and fibromyalgia, and I don't know if you're familiar with fibromyalgia, but there, it's debated among doctors about what it really is. Yeah. Whether it's skeletal muscle. Oh, what? No one really knows. It's just pain, diagnosis. right? It's like weird pain he, that can't be explained. He's a hardcore Christianity.com. His name is Brother Mike Smith. I, I got to uh, tell you I that the, the words hardcore Christianity.com does not instill any confidence in me. <laughs> whenever I ask God for something, whenever I pursue healing through him, God usually answers the prayer one of three ways. Number one, yes, it happens immediately, immediately just like my wife. It hasn't come back. I have several witnesses. I can give you her number, and she'll most likely, because she's kind of mad at me right now, but most likely she'll give you, you know, the personal medical information that verifies it's true. What is the difference between asking God to help you and just letting crap happen if the answer is sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work, and sometimes you apply some stuff for a while and, and you just accept works. that it's god's will no matter what happens the scientific approach would be that you would you know if you have something you think is going to be real and works then you make predictions about how that works right and then there are ways to test it and if there's ways to test that hypothesis there has to be a way of potentially falsifying to show whether it's wrong now you're not going to you're not you're not going to look you're never going to prove a hypothesis correct but what you're trying to do is, it is to, to determine if you're not correct. If what you imagine is not true, then how would you prove it false? There are some people who are just great communicators. And I would actually argue that both people that appear on that clip, Tracy and Aaron, are both fantastic communicators. But as guest appearances go... Aaron is the winner because Aaron was the guest. He has a magnetic personality and just a way of communicating and explaining things that are advanced that can be sort of brought down to anybody's level. I decided to ask my good friend Eric Murphy, who is a host of Talk Heathen, you've probably seen their show before, and who also hosted Aaron as a guest on their show, why he thinks Aaron draws people in so effectively. Well, I mean, Aaron, I guess, is a special case because... 
Who's not drawn to Aaron Raw? He is the Viking that we all need. I mean, while people will call in to the atheist experience and they'll call in to talk heathen because we meet them where they're at, Aaron will just systematically dissect a position. You know, I, I mean, what he does is called steel manning. He can just pin down something and piece by piece take it apart in a way that people understand. And in a time when there are so many different parties who argue and who try and obscure facts, Aaron is a laser. He laser focuses in on exactly what he wants to address and he's absolutely unapologetic about it. He is the Viking Dark Knight that we all are so glad that we get to have. And not to mention that, he's a fucking teddy bear too. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I could not imagine somebody who did not meet Arn Raw and wasn't attracted to that charisma and that kind of educator. Uh, it's, it's, it's just that simple. Thank you, Eric, and thank you, Arn, for the collaborations you do with the Atheist Community of Austin. We move on now to one of the two categories I'm sure many of you are looking the most toward. We move on now to one of the two categories that I'm sure many of you are looking the most forward to. Here it is from the Atheist Experience, the funniest clip of 2018. Why does that not matter? If some guy saw what happened... Because if I write to you and tell you that somebody's walking on water and coming back from the dead and turning water into wine, does it really matter when I wrote it? Isn't that just kind of whack? Uh, no, it does matter because if it's not an eyewitness testimony, if it's not an eyewitness testimony. You know what? It is. I did it yesterday. Yesterday, I, I went into the kitchen and I needed some wine and there wasn't any wine. And I had this pitcher of water and I just touched it and it turned into wine. And I did that all by myself. And I saw it and did it. Not only am I an eyewitness to it, but I actually did it. Do you believe me? Uh, I don't know. I'll look at the eyewitness. Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm well, first-hand yeah, account. With the gospel for Jen, I Jen saw it. Yeah, Jen was with me. I and saw, she it. saw it. I'm the eyewitness. Is it true? You're the eyewitness. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're the eyewitness. Give me the story again. The story is that we, I had a picture had of no water. Wine. Yeah, we needed oh, some wine. Eyewitness. Oh, go for it. Yeah. Huh? No, we had no wine. She, we only had this pitcher of water, and she went in and got the pitcher of water and put her hands on it and turned into wine. Okay. So are you saying that you have uh, powers from God or what? I don't know. I, I just, don't know. I just know that I can convert water to wine. It's the wildest thing. I just thing. know that I'm inviting her to every one of my parties from now on. There you go. It was really good wine, too. Yeah. The best Man. wine. Okay. Well, if you've got power from God, I guess. You I didn't say I had power from God. Okay. Well, then how do you turn water into wine? You got me. Yeah, it was the weirdest thing. Okay. Wow. Weirdest thing. Maybe it was a miracle. All right. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, if a miracle just means something that we say happened that can't happen, then yeah, it's a miracle. <laughs> Seriously, and I'm not trying to start any fights, but Tracy is my clear favorite host of the Atheist Experience. But besides being funny, this clip points to something that is unfair with the way a lot of people come to these debates. Because there are standards that they will not apply anywhere else, but when it lends credibility to their faith, suddenly that standard is okay. So there are many people who don't mind taking the Bible's word for it that the Bible is filled with eyewitness testimonies, or religious figures' word for it. And that's not exclusive to Christianity. There are many people who believe the Quran is true because the Quran says it's true. There might even be at least one person who believes the book of Eric is true because Eric Murphy says it is. So I wanted to ask the star of this clip, 
directly. Tracy, how can you deny the divinity of Christ when the Bible is filled with eyewitness testimonies? So how can I deny the divinity of Christ when the Bible is full of eyewitnesses? The four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are anonymously penned. They don't claim to be eyewitness accounts, and they're considered by historians to be written records of older oral traditions within the Christian tradition. It's important to note that the books have multiple versions, that Bibles currently considered Orthodox use different versions as their basis. We have Protestant Bibles, Catholic Bibles, Eastern Orthodox Bibles, all of them differ, and all are considered to be official canon by different sects of Christianity. Additionally, it was the Church that decided to label the anonymous books with assumed author names. It was the Church that decided which books they would canonize and which they would reject as apocryphal. Basically, the Bible is a product of the Church and not the foundation of it. Once it was produced, and over centuries it was finalized, it became authoritative to various degrees to different sects. And some traditions, such as the story of the adulterous woman, which gives Christians their proverb about letting people who are without sin cast the first stone, we know those were added to uh, the Bible. That was added to chapter 8 of John in a later edition. We should be clear that the Church could have decided otherwise to declare the current Bible books to be non-authoritative and to have incorporated other apocryphal books as canon instead. Had they done this, we'd have an entirely different Church tradition, potentially as different as Jesus being purely mortal as opposed to a demigod. Thank you so much, Tracy, and I hope you all haven't seen enough of Tracy so far. I know I haven't, because she is the star of the winner of the next category. This year has seen a lot of new topics enter the mainstream or just become more popular than years past. But one has risen above the rest as the most entertaining and absurd. That's right, the Atheist Experience trending topic of the year, it's Flat Earth. All of our science that has to do with space is based on our knowledge of physics, which you are saying is just completely and utterly wrong. Gravity doesn't exist, and yet gravity is factored into all these things that we do. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a very complex topic. But it is a complex topic, and I'm not convinced that you're correct, and your arguments are not going to convince me that you're correct, because the correct people well, to I, convince... Well, I because you have a belief. Because you have a belief. No, I, I, this is not about a belief. belief. This is about a scientific consensus... Right, that I am not involved in. I'm saying that if you would like to change my mind, you will have to go to the relevant scientific fields and change their mind. Show them your evidence, show them your reasoning, and convince them why they're wrong. And then when that well, can happen, I will say, wow, you have convinced the people who are best educated in this field, who have access to the best evidence, and, and uh, Victor in Brooklyn talked to them, presented whatever his ideas were, and convinced them to reconsider this idea of a round or spherical Earth. And when that occurs, I'm not the person to convince, right? I'm not the person that dictates the shape of the Earth to, to science texts, books, and curricula. You need to talk to those people, because until oh, they're... Well, we're just, we're just debating like we're just there's talking. no like, debate I'm not here I'm not there, there's science. not a debate i'm saying that i am willing to go with the consensus of science because it's based on the prevailing evidence and the best most educated minds in the fields involved are saying that they accept that model i'm simply saying that if you want to see change in that model if you want to have a debate about the model talk to the people who are promoting that model right because to me that model 
whether whatever whatever model they throw out is got nothing to do with a god. And so when when you can if if you really have uh, problems with that model, go talk to the people that are that are that are in charge of supporting and making well, that like- the prevailing model. You know, to me, that may not have just been the best response to a flat earther on the atheist experience this year. I think that might be the best response I saw to a flat earther anywhere on YouTube this year. I haven't seen much flatter stuff off YouTube, so let's just say everywhere. Have you seen the show Objectively Dan yet? Dan is a brilliant skeptic who has a call-in show for the ACA, where he hears out and learns what other people believe. So, my question to Dan. Dan, there are many who say we are not open-minded enough because we are closed off to the possibility of flat Earth. How would you reply to this charge of not being open-minded? Well, I just don't think that that's true. I'm actually really interested in the kinds of varieties of beliefs that people have. I mean, for myself, I actually have a show where I talk to all kinds of people about all kinds of beliefs. Um, I'm super interested and I want to know what's true so that I can believe it. Um, I think that there are definitely people who think that things are true and they haven't done the research on it. Um, and I think in general, as skeptics, we just tend to do a lot of research on the stuff that we talk about. Um, so when we talk about flat earth stuff, yeah, we're not just saying it just because we think it's uh, dumb, like a priori. We actually have investigated it a lot um, and have come to the conclusions that we have based on good evidence. So, yeah, cool. That's fucking it. That's it. How's that? That is great, Dan. I've heard the sentiment repeated by Drew from Genetically Modified Skeptic. I'm not sure if it's his original quote, but I'll give him credit for it at the moment. It's great to be open-minded, but don't be so open-minded your brain falls out. As Don mentioned at the beginning of the show, the moment to believe something is true is when there's good reason to believe it's true. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. I can't really do that announcer voice. Let me do Stewie. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. The 2018 Atheist Experience Clip of the Year. Take it away, Matt and Tracy. Is God horny? What was that? Is God horny? Because I think horny thoughts, and if I'm thinking horny thoughts after God's like, does that mean that God's horny? Well, I know, but you're you're referring to something that's a physical... Um, I'm saying there's there's something deeper, the, lo- the need to, for like how you love your wife or daughter or... These are like derivatives of his nature. Sure. How could we know but that? How could I mean? Um, I know it's been said, and I know you well, believe it, well, but we I'm, can have, we can see it. I mean, it's, it's no, 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 need. no, no. Okay. I agree with you that we think so. I let let's pick one. How about love? We are we good with that? Okay. Okay. I agree that I have love and that I experience love that I love people. How can I know that I'm experiencing that after God? Well, because it's um, it, it's something that's innate within you. Like okay, you, is, is, but that doesn't then that it's doesn't innate to question. Matt. Then that would mean. I mean, if it's innate to Matt, then why would you think it was uh, something from a god? If you think it's innate to him. Well, I'm saying it's universal. It's within every human being. Right, because we're like, social animals. Sure. <laughs> right, well, you, you've okay. now successfully described humans. I'm asking, what makes you think that these are? indicative of a god that we're getting it from a god that we're thinking this after god you came in with a really uh, nifty kind of uh, footprints style of message and i'm asking that's what yeah. you believe why would we believe it so i i start with that point with you know the we think you know all these are are um 
derivatives of, of God. And, you can't and, start with that point. That's the finish. That's, that's, that's the what point. we're trying to establish. How do you get to that point that you think these things are derived from a God? So me saying that every, every human being and the world, like this is a global, like universal. First of all, that's not true, but, all, these, but, but basically. Well, you don't think these are all like, but I'm saying these aren't all. You don't think there are people like, that don't experience love? That there are well, people with, with, with particular psychopathies that are abnormal that don't experience. So I'm just saying it's not necessarily ubiquitous. But even to the extent that it's ubiquitous, yeah. if every if every human being experienced love, that would be a human attribute. That's a human attribute. How do you tie that to God? Okay. I guess I can't. Yeah, I would think that your your line of reasoning here, and I'm just going to guess from many years of doing this, is I have no other explanation for why all human beings would experience love except that this is what God wants us to experience. Why do the just, like, seeking justice, love, they, they equal to, like, a positive outcome? Does that make sense? It's just so, about, I, I, I mean, it, what you're calling a positive outcome is surviving and thriving. And if animals didn't want to survive and thrive, they probably wouldn't have made it this far on the planet by now. Right, an animal that doesn't want to survive and doesn't right. show any know, propensity still, toward thriving. Right, but you're still explaining something. Huh. I'm trying to. You're looking at the outcomes of the successes of evolution so far. See, if you and, list the things that benefit us, and then say why do they benefit okay. us? A sense of justice benefits us, and you're saying why okay. does a sense of justice benefit us? That's not even a why question. It's just a fact that this does, in fact, benefit us. Like you might as well be asking. Know, you might as well be. You might. You might as. You might as well be asking. Why does food make me feel good? Why don't I eat poison instead of an apple? Right. Be, right. Because I don't want to die, and because okay. that's. I mean, if I wanted to die, I would eat poison. It's just a physical fact. Apple. It's a physical fact of the universe. An apple contributes to my well-being. Drinking battery acid does yeah, not. Right. To say why that's the way but, it but is. But this is, isn't this isn't a human thing. This is an every species thing. Yeah. Right. I mean, they don't all do. Yeah. I mean, all species are doing things that, in some way, benefit their survival. And if they can achieve it, they're thriving. But even if we had no answer, how could you get to God from there? Now, I did take a leap of confidence that this clip was the clip of the year because the overall clip has such great substance, it answers some great questions, and it establishes some things we hear all the time. Like, it's the same basis for how an atheist could have morals or why they would want to, why they wouldn't just go out and murder everyone they want to. But I say that was a leap of confidence because I can't say for certain that that clip wasn't chosen simply because it started with the phrase, is God horny? But we aren't done yet. The ACA is an important organization that plays a part in the lives of everyone who's watching now and, and an even greater population than that. It has done so many great things to help spread the idea of positive atheism and positive secularism and how to be skeptical and how to communicate with people you disagree with. And because of that, many of us feel a pull to help the ACA in any way we can. So I have for you now Jamie Boone. Jamie is the president of the atheist community of Austin, as well as a co-host on the show Talk Heathen. Jamie, could you tell anyone who would like to get involved with the ACA what they could do? So you're down with atheist community and you want to get more involved and you either do or don't live in the Austin area, how can you get involved with the ACA? So if you're in the Austin area, you should uh, show up at the Freethought Library, 1507 West Koenig Lane, say hi, experience sort of the joys of that community. 
um, and offer to volunteer because we are unbelievably uh, shorthanded. We have resources, we have goals, we have you know dreams of the future of what things can be. We've got a lot of momentum, and we have not enough volunteers by I don't know whatever the negative version of an order of magnitude is. Um, so if you're up for stopping by, I mean, uh, even as I'm you know giving this answer, there's uh, volunteers that are here that are getting things done. We've gotten a couple, you know, volunteers that have responded to our desperate pleas for help. That's good. We still need a lot more. And um, maybe, you know, showing up, moving things, being in a place in person isn't your thing. Maybe you're not in the Austin area and you still want to help us out. Um, reach out to our uh, director of communications and uh, uh, Eric at atheist-community.org and he needs help as well. Volunteers online. We're short on, you know, uh, moderators. And there's a lot of, you know, small things that we need help getting done. And there's a lot of big things as well. So if you're excited, whether you're excited specifically for, oh, I just want to do community service, whether you're trying to find the correct way of saying, actually, I just kind of want to hang out and do more social things, we need more volunteers to help organize that as well. Whether you, I don't know, um, you have a particular set of skills uh, that are legal. Um, just just stop by. We've got needs all over the place. And it is also worth mentioning that if you have the means to financially contribute to the ACA, you can find links under all of the shows to the different Patreons that all of the shows have, as well as to directly contribute to the Atheist Community of Austin. That money goes a long way, and they have a lot of people working really, really hard to basically spread the message that it's totally cool to be an atheist. We will wrap up now. Before we go, a few thank yous to extend. First of all, the ACA and I would like to extend a big thank you to Janet Reyes, who did so much and, and contributed so much this year. Also, a thank you to Han Verhoeven, whose name I hope I'm not butchering, for doing so many of the graphics for the atheist experience. Also, a big thank you to everyone who submitted clips with a very special shout out to Owen. Thank you so much. There is also an amazing technical crew that makes everything happen. So a big thank you to Mark Vandebreek, Vern Grainer, Silas Schaefer, Eric Murphy, Chelsea Rodriguez, Ben Esteville, and to all of the people who screen calls and everybody else that I'm sure I've forgotten because I am the worst person in the universe. Oh, also Matthew Carey and Kevin Carney and the board of directors. Links to all of those amazing shows by the Atheist Community of Austin can be found in the description below. Please go check them out and hit their subscribe button. If you'd like to see more of myself, you can find my channel, Mr. Atheist, where you will find a variety of videos, though mostly of me doing response videos to the kinds of things uh, we atheists hear all the time. Watch me fight with the likes of Girl Defined, Josh Furestein, and Kyle Butt. Stick around after this video concludes. There is a special video from the executive producer of the Atheist Experience, Mark Vandebreek. But in the meantime, thank you so much for watching. I'm Young Santa. I'm Fat Jesus. Okay, but for real though, I've been Jimmy. Mr. Atheist wasn't my father. Basically what the ACA is doing, as I pointed out previously, is building an actual fucking network to deal with the entire person. So it's not just about arguing about God. We're turning into an atheist media empire. Oh my gosh, all the lines have decided to fill up. It's an atheist miracle. Are you a troll uh, caller? Yes. <laughs> yes, sir. Okay, see ya. <laughs>
Uh, if nothing else, I've got to say I appreciate he answered that question yep. honestly there you because go. he stopped us from wasting more time. <laughs> forward your case if people find it convincing okay. then they can go and be convinced I don't believe by that it. you said jesus to come to you i, I want to hear i know you, you don't jesus, believe it if you're real show yourself to me do it now and let's see jesus if you're you. real show yourself to me so what <sighs> thanks for your call Stephen. or something i'm snarky as hell today it's been a while since i've done the show <laughs> gotta get that snark out huh Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Atheist Experience, the Christmas edition. <laughs> <laughs> or actually, let me, I'll be clarify, the holidays edition. Right, we're getting in so. the spirit. The Atheist Community of Austin is a nonprofit organization founded in 1996 and now located at the Freethought Library at 1507 West Koenig Lane in Austin, Texas. The ACA promotes compassionate atheism and secular government, globally through the production of media that is accessible, informative, and entertaining, and locally through community outreach, events, and service. One of the main ways the ACA builds community is by the production of live shows multiple times a week from the Free Thought Library studio. Beginning with the Atheist Experience in 1997, our dedicated technical crew, hosts, and employees now produce full video and audio-only podcasts enjoyed by a worldwide audience numbering in the millions. If you are ever in Austin, we encourage you to drop by the studio and enjoy a live recording of our shows, meet like-minded folks, and enjoy a complimentary after-show dinner every Sunday night. Joy to the world, the Lord is There's no risk. God damn it. Aww. You're just teasing us. Are there potatoes? I really wanted to try the potatoes. <gasps> And all of the chips are banked. <laughs> this is bullshit. This is coming to you from the past. Like. <gasps> oh, okay. We're dancing. There's no actual music <laughs> happening right now. They'll fix it in post. Yes, they this will. It's going to require a lot of editing. They will. And a lot of awkward cuts. <laughs> Sorry, Mark. In keeping with our War on Christmas theme this week. Urgh, destroy. Yeah. Seek. We should call this episode. Exterminate. We'll call this episode the Merry Fucking Christmas, y'all, episode. <laughs> what do the holidays mean to you? Hi, everyone. I'm Objectively Dan. I am the host of one of the newest ACA shows here, Truth Wanted. Um, I have actually been around at the ACA since uh, sometime last year. I actually started as a call screener for AXP and Talk Heathen. Um, and then I started talking to these guys more and eventually I got my own show here. So that's really cool. My family is from the Louisiana area, specifically New Orleans. That's where I was born. Um, so every year we like to go up there. I get to see all my aunts and uncles, uh, grandparents, stuff like that. Um, and we go up there in between Christmas and New Year's and just kind of hang out, have a good time. I'm Tracy Harris. I've mainly worked on Godless Bitches and The Atheist Experience. I've been actively involved since 2006. I was raised in the Church of Christ, where Christmas is recognized as a secular holiday with pagan roots. Some families didn't celebrate at all, and others celebrated in a secular fashion. My family celebrated secularly, and I still follow that tradition today, since it's never been a holiday associated with religion for me. Spending time with the people I care about. It means enjoying time with family, and it means that all of these other people that 
have become my family. All of these people here at the ACA included, Jamie included. You know, I get to tell them that I love them. And um, any excuse that I get to do to do that is freaking amazing. So whatever the occasion is, whatever the excuse is, I embrace it. To me, the holidays primarily mean two things. One, spending time with family, gathering, going through the various rituals. Um, And two, they mean that everyone, the people that I know and am close to, and people in public generally, um, just tend to be in a better mood. Uh, And uh, it, it also means, because I live in Texas, that it's not so damn hot all the time. The holidays for me are all about spending time with family, um, giving gifts, um, the typical secular things that people do around the holidays. Uh, Get time off work, get to spend time doing things I like to do. Hi, I'm Dennis Lubay, and we are the Nonprofits. Kevin Stein, I've been at the ACA for about, oh, say, 10 months now. I was just a regular old volunteer helping out where I could, and it, I got lucky enough to land a spot on the nonprofits, and I absolutely love it so far. We were raised culturally Christians, but we never really uh, went to church all that much, so we did Christmas. Um, generally, it was uh, just a big old family gathering. Uh, my favorite holiday activity, to be honest, it used to be staying up really, really late, um, generally drinking quite a bit with my brothers and the rest of my family and just the the conversations that we used to have. But unfortunately, since becoming an open um, and vocal atheist and doing what I do here, which I create an immense amount of uh, satisfaction from I, I've had a bit of a falling out with my family and to be honest I'm not really looking forward to Christmas all that much uh, I don't think the conversations are going to be the high point which uh, it's kind of a bummer spending time with the people I love most uh, get I get to think about the sorts of things that they would like as gifts which to me makes me very happy I definitely think giving is better than receiving and good food and lots of decorations, and um, I, I actually love the holidays. We're talking about Christmas. Of course, we know it's actually winter solstice and so forth. Uh, Thanksgiving is probably my favorite. You know why? There's less commercialism. Yeah, I like that. Thanksgiving's a time just to sit with friends and family, people you love and care about, have some really good food and some good, friendly conversations and being around other people that you like to be around. That's what I like about it. Hi, folks. I'm John Icoletti. I've uh, I've been a member of the ACA uh, just about 20 years now. I've been involved with the Atheist Experience for, gosh, 12 years. And I've been on uh, the board of directors of the ACA now for 10 years. Christmas, uh, for me, and growing up was always a, a secular holiday. We did Santa Claus, we did presents. Uh, my mom would try to get philosophical and she'd say, everyone is Santa Claus, because they didn't want to outright lie to us, but say, everyone is Santa Claus, and we would say, uh-uh, he's a guy in a red suit, and Esther said. And so she, she tried. <laughs> we would get up at the crack of dawn and my parents wouldn't even get out of bed and we'd rip the presents open. Uh, but holidays, even the religious 
parts of my family uh, were pretty secular too. So when we got together, we would uh, we really didn't have any religious debates or conflicts surrounding that. People kind of did their own thing, and I appreciated that. I, uh, from my standpoint, I always said, why ruin a perfectly good holiday by bringing Jesus into it? Hello, and welcome to the wonderful Thanksgiving. Nope. I am Megan Bonner. Joining me, of course, is... Howdy, I'm Christy Powell. And, of course, with us, we love you so much, is the wonderful... Fan favorite. Yes. Seraphina Smith. Yes. I'm sure somewhere there's oh, a fan I didn't favorite. get any of that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Welcome, Sarah, and uh, happy holidays to you. Why, thank you. And I hope that we are all having uh, delicious food right now. Hopefully, you're having a good time with family, but if not, just sneak away for a few minutes and uh, we'll keep you company. Yeah. We'll be your, your holiday buddies. Yeah. For an hour or so. And we hope you enjoy the little show that we've put together for you. They let me on the show, so I guess they have to be okay. <laughs> Except for their giant heads. It's freakish. It's frightening. More and more, it means whatever I want it to mean. You know, uh, as a kid growing up, there was a lot of do this, do that, do what you're told. This is what's important. This is what matters. And, uh, you know, the last several years, I've really enjoyed kind of taking ownership of that. And if I want to work, uh, pick up an extra shift, have a quiet day to myself, I do that. But uh, it is nice to have traditions. It's nice to have people to share them with. And it's nice to have things to enjoy. So I've been having a, a great time with it. That's changed a lot, honestly. Um, you know, when I was a kid, it was it was it meant hiding from my relatives because not because they were bad, but just because I didn't fit in with them and didn't like have a connection. Um, and they wanted to talk and watch football and stuff, and I just wanted to read my book. Um, nowadays, it's it's much nicer. Um, holidays mean um, getting my son down to to see him. Uh, exchanging presents with the two or three people that I can afford to exchange presents with. So, Mr. President, we're here at the ACA on a Sunday at the after-show dinner. What uh, What's going on here? It seems pretty dead to me. Well, Where's the party? it's not dead at all, and not just because Johnny's over there who brought the party. There's Johnny. Hi, Johnny. <laughs> the party is Justin. In here? What's what is happening? What? This is a part. Oh my god. What do we have? Oh my god. We've got bluebell. Tastes just like the good old days in a non racist way. You could possibly decide to eat that are reasonable. Pizza from Costco, but still it's good. But that's not all. That's not all. What do you mean? How can that not be all? One of my favorite holiday foods is when my mom likes to cook gingerbread cookies at the house. And so the whole house smells like gingerbread. Um, It's really awesome. And I usually like to share them with friends and stuff. So we'll get neighbors and other people to kind of come over and all hang out and just um, have some hot chocolate and cookies by the fire. Um, And that's really fun. Oh, we also like to watch A Christmas Story every year. Um, It usually comes on TBS. They always have that 24-hour marathon of a Christmas story coming on and my family never fails to watch it every single year. 
um, always gets a good laugh, always um, makes me feel good when everybody's watching it. So definitely one of my favorites. My grandparents used to say, Manja David, Italian immigrants, right? Manja, you're too skinny, eat your pasta. Yeah, we all like food. So favorite holiday food... You know, I was a vegan for so long, and I'm kind of borderline vegetarian. I eat a little bit of chicken and fish occasionally. Um, I'm going to say, believe it or not, I love my veggies. I know. I know it's weird. Cranberry salad that um, my ex-mother-in-law gave me the recipe for. It used to be um, cornbread casserole, but now that I am allergic to corn, uh, that is not my favorite. I would have to go with uh, sweet potato casserole. What is your favorite holiday food? Uh, easy, the McRib. Sorry, not sorry. It's only available during the holiday season. The McRib is my favorite holiday food. Is it even food? Yes, <laughs> it's food. Stuffing. Because holy crap, stuffing is so good. Like... I'll, I'll I'll have the meat just to get the stuffing if that's if that's what it takes. Just pumpkin pie, really love the pumpkin pie. I really like decorating sugar cookies and then eating them, because I I grew up in a divorced house. I you know I I, I guess I have two favorites. Right, one of them is my Latino side, my Spanish side. Um, tamales are something that really holds a lot of um, a lot of love for me. Um, I remember all the women in my family getting in a in an assembly line. Guys were not allowed in the kitchen, and they would, you know, work and, and make hundreds and hundreds of tamales. And um, when you got old enough, you know, my aunts who couldn't do it anymore, arthritis or whatever the case may be, they were the supervisors. You know, they were still there and they were making sure that it was happening and that it was happening right. And it was just really, really endearing. Um, and for my white side. Ooh, sausage and cornbread stuffing, I think, is fucking amazing. Um, cranberry ambrosia salad. Um, mulled wine and eggnog. Yeah. Is it bad that when someone says holiday food to me, I don't think of Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or, or any other holiday? I just think of Thanksgiving and the food there, in which case it's uh, white meat, turkey, mixed with uh, my family's gravy with mashed potatoes, that or twice-baked potatoes, um, because uh, what we have of to eat around Christmas varies wildly. Um, but yeah, I'd have to say turkey. The way I celebrate Christmas in, in this purely secular fashion with trees and you know other stuff, it's, it's the type of holiday that if it didn't exist, I would want somebody to invent it uh, because we're having fun and I'm not going to give religious people something that's you know fun that has nothing to do with it just because they try to co-op stuff yeah exactly now it, it, there are people who say the only reason we bother celebrate Christmas is because it's you know it's part of this kind of uh, Christian hegemony where the you know the cultural influence has made it so that you know this is the thing we do uh, and I don't buy that because if that were the case then we'd be doing Easter too because Easter's the the more important Christian holiday, uh, and it's no fun at all. I mean, maybe for kids with bunnies and eggs, but it's not like we have, you know, adults doing stuff. How do I handle holiday stress? Poorly. I don't do anything I don't want to do. Uh, there, there are lots of festivities and traditions that I love doing, and those are the ones I do. 
um, all the things that feel like obligations, I don't do. I think a lot of holiday stress comes from people imposing obligations on people. And I've, pre I've pretty much decided that I'm going to resist people telling me that I have to do certain things at the holidays. It's my time. Eggnog. Clearly. Mm, eventually. I eventually handle it. <laughs> if you wait long enough, it goes away, right? 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 Hard cider and schnapps. Yeah. Yeah. How do you handle holiday stress? Ooh, um, I go to the ACA. <laughs> I spend time with my friends. I um, listen to, especially around Christmas time, Christmas music. Um, I try and remember why I'm here and why it's important to me. And that the stress is not the primary thing in this time of the year. It is enjoying people. It's celebrating them, it's caring about them, and it's letting them know that. They do stress me out somewhat, because I want to get gifts for people, and I can't afford to get gifts for people. So I don't get gifts for people. And yet, I receive gifts from people. And so, it's unfortunately one-sided at the moment. The holidays have always stressed me out, mostly just due to having to travel and all the, the, the expectations of you know, logistics. Can I get off of work? You know, uh, we got to make sure that we go see this side of the family and then we got to go see that side of the family. And inevitably, someone's going to be upset that they didn't get as much time as they thought they were entitled to. Avoiding traffic, avoiding hordes of people, avoiding shopping centers. How uh, do you celebrate something that has been religiously uh, grounded as an atheist? With reckless abandon and holiday cheer. I like that. Wow, that was succinct. Dear yes. Diary. I was going to say, today, today Jamie, Jamie said something succinct. succinct. <laughs> I have a question about the so-called war on Christmas. Yes? Um... I'm an atheist, so I'm not being like, oh, you, you stinking non-believers taking away my... Do you need marching Jesus. orders? <laughs> <laughs> there is no war on Christmas. What there is is a war on the celebration of all other religions. The anger at acknowledging that other holidays exist is just another instance of Christian privilege trying to crowd out alternative ways of thinking. And I don't care for it. The Texas Agriculture Commissioner, Sid Miller, um, had said that he was going to slap the next person who wished him happy holidays. So my response to Sid Miller's you know, threat to assault someone for wishing him a happy holiday was to wish him a merry fucking Christmas. <laughs> um, so this year I'm just going to go ahead and tempt fate. And Sid Miller, if you're out there, happy holidays, dude. What is the most awkward moment or conversation you've had at a family holiday gathering. When my son was still one years old and a bit, I went to Christmas service with my mother-in-law and the rest of the family. He was hungry and I was breastfeeding. So I started to <laughs> get ready to breastfeed. And I thought my mother-in-law was going to have a heart attack right there on the spot. Oh no, you can't do that here. The first time I took 
um, was my then girlfriend, she's now my wife, um, to a family Thanksgiving gathering. Um, so we made the trip from Texas to Alabama to visit my family. And right after Thanksgiving, my family said, oh, hey, let's go shooting. And so we did what, you know, people in Alabama sometimes do. We went to the front yard, set up the targets, and started shooting. Because <laughs> yeehaw, or whatever. There was one year where after having uh, Christmas dinner with my uh, wife's family and pretty much single-handedly killing off at least one bottle of wine, uh, I go and see my family and my stepdad is just getting started and pulls out a bottle of scotch, says a couple of really annoying things, and I'm thinking to myself, not going to let this old man out drink me. Doesn't matter if I'm already a good five, six drinks ahead of him. Uh, and I got poured into bed a couple of hours later. But jokes on him, he was hungover for three days. That is a tough one. I mentioned one in our last show, in my two truths and a lie. So I'm not going to use that one. Um, I think probably the most awkwardness is just, is mostly not at the, the holiday, but like in the logistics beforehand, trying to figure out which, you know, which partners are allowed at that, which family's house and how can we divide up all of our time at whose, whose house? Like, I, I mean, I'm not in factored in that anymore because I don't have a family, but the people I'm with always have families. So you know, where am I? Can can other partners come too? Et cetera, et cetera. It's always a, a fun uh, little bit of logistics. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Can't even. Second most. Third most. <laughs> I think it's probably the most recent uh, holidays in the last few years when it wasn't a secret that I was an atheist. And it's because there are religious family members of mine who are afraid to pray in front of me or don't want to talk about it for fear that I'm going to get angry. And um, it's, it's funny uh, because I'm, I'm not a really angry person. And so um, I've had to, you know, go out and say, hey, whatever your faith tradition is, do that that makes you happy. I'm celebrating you still. Uh, so you do you. Just, you know, um, but I'm still working that out. There was a holiday gathering where... On Christmas Day, I realized that I hadn't actually bought a gift for one of my family members. And we were all going around opening presents. And I realized before they, they'd gotten there, oh my gosh, I haven't bought a present for everyone, right? If all of my presents, I'd been like, oh my gosh, I don't have them. I could have, you know, tried, like, Oh, Amazon must have been, I don't know. Oh, they're in the mail. But no, it was, I, I had gifts for everyone but one person. And it was one of those awkward things where it's like, okay, there's gifts from people from out of town. Some things are labeled Santa. So there's the, just this awkward moment for me where I'm putting on a happy face and I don't actually know who else has noticed or if that person has noticed or if they're keeping track of these things because they've gotten some gifts from Santa. Uh, that, that was a very, very awkward Christmas for me. Uh, after last year, um, my both my brothers got into a fist fight, uh, and the family has put a um, a curfew on family holidays now. 
so that we don't stay up till uh, dawn getting totally hammered and get into religious and philosophical discussions where people's feelings get hurt. You know I got some good stuff here. Being an atheist activist, uh, well, back when I had a relationship with my parents, and most of you know by now they disowned me this past year, uh, but I still have a relationship with my sister and her husband. In fact, we went out to eat with them last night, and then we had some good talks. We just don't talk about religion or politics. At uh, my sister and brother-in-law's house for Thanksgiving about five or six years ago, my brother-in-law's family was all there. They're all Baptist. Uh, my sister's father-in-law is a retired Baptist pastor. Of course, my dad's a retired uh, Pentecostal pastor. So they were going around the table. I'm sure some of you have experienced this. They join hands. They thank the Lord, of course, for the bountiful blessings, yada, yada, right? So I'm used to that. doesn't offend me. Most of us that came out of the Christian culture, our families are Christian. We understand why they do what they do. So an awkward moment may have been uh, when my sister's father-in-law, the retired Baptist missionary, said, hey, why don't we go around the table before we eat and tell the others why they thank the Lord and what, what they're so thankful for about Thanksgiving and so forth. I'm saying, oh boy, here we go. So they all did the same Jesus stuff. I thank the Lord for this and that. I thank Jesus. I've, I'm sure we've all been there. Um, and then my turn came around. It got a little weird because everybody's thinking, uh-oh, here goes Uncle David, the big mouth atheist activist. So my turn came up, and I said, well, you know what, folks? I'm thankful, too. I thank that cook. <laughs> I thank the farmers who grew the food that we eat. I thank the truck drivers for transporting the food to the grocery stores or to the food processing plant. I thank the butcher. I thank for the scientists, the geneticists who have so brilliantly constructed uh, type of uh, genetics and so forth that we have in our food, that we can grow enough food and vegetables and fruits and so forth. So that was a little bit awkward. I would say probably more awkward for them than for me. Uh, that was a lot of fun for me. I love doing that stuff. I just want to talk about something since uh, Christmas is coming up. Um, my, question, my question goes to both you guys, the hosts, and to uh, the uh, literal Bible believers that are listening. Um, let's see, where do I start? Uh, basically, in the book of Jeremiah, uh, chapter 10, there's a passage that talks about how um, you're not supposed to do the customs of the worthless people in other nations. And mm. one of those customs it lists is cutting down a tree <laughs> and putting it up in your home mm-hmm. and decorating it. And um, when I was discussing this with my family, it was hard enough to convince them that there were 600 commandments instead of 10. <laughs> um, I, tried to, <laughs> I tried to point this part out to them. Uh-huh. And the reasoning that I got from them was from outside the Bible. And they started to feel threatened about their, uh, I guess, American identity. And they said, well, it's an attack on Christmas. It's an attack on everything American. And I was pointing this right out to them from the Bible, and I wasn't really getting a straight answer. It's always funny how the Bible is literally true, except when it's not. 
of Jeremiah 10.3, uh, mm -hmm. for the customs of the people are worthless. They cut a tree out of the forest and a craftsman shapes it with his chisel. Oh, well, there you go. See, because if I were a Christian, I would say, but my pr Christmas tree's plastic. <laughs> so it doesn't count, oh, right? Yeah. See, and or, I get around it that way. Who right. cares what the Bible says? Brood in Norway. Hello. Hey. Hello, Jamie and Eric. Hey. Hello. How's it going? How are my favorite heathens? Oh, really, really well, actually. I'm actually doing well, yeah. Yeah, my family has a tradition that we always go to this uh, Christmas party thrown by a family friend, and that was yesterday, and so we did that, and that was good. Rock on. Oh. Yeah, I um, I, I also got to do a couple of Christmas traditions with family. One of them is decorating the Christmas tree, and I actually wrote an article <laughs> about it. Oh, um, yeah. Where does that article appear? Oh, Check it out, bro. Oh my gosh. We got a it's a special newsletter. print edition of <laughs> yeah. the magazine Thinking Aloud, which is a publication of the atheist community of Austin. And it's awesome. Uh, and, and it's free. It's so, free. Yeah, you can yeah. you can go to the It's not always a print edition, but it is always free. This this feels this feels bad. I don't like doing this during a call. This makes um, me feel real bad. Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like this. Yeah. We need to do We this need to after intersperse it in between the yeah, calls here. In between the calls. There's, there's no, that's okay. Over there. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, right. Try that later. Well, okay. Right. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. If they decide that they can't have anything to do with me because of my disbelief, then I'm fine with that. I'm not actively seeking to sever ties with them, but if they make that decision, I'm not going to go fetal and say, oh, I can't cope because, you know, cousin Sylvester won't talk to me anymore. Especially if your family's being abusive towards you, if they are, you know, telling you you're going to hell or if they are trying to drag you to church even though you told them, hey, I'm not doing this or something like that. You don't, you don't have to put up with that crap. Mm -hmm. um, if your family's not behaving like family, they are not family. You know, you don't owe them any allegiance just because you have, you know, some DNA that you share. Right. You know, you make the family that you want. Exactly how you want it to be. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, take those things that you love the most mm -hmm. and do them. Um, because right. what you were raised with and what is, you know, culturally, you know, baked into what you're used to, you know, you've inherited that. That is something mm -hmm. that you have every right to as well. And so if you want to celebrate, you know, a specific way, then you should just, um, yeah, I, I absolutely hate when people say, oh, well, I'm not going to take on, you know, tools of Christianity. Yeah, it's like, yeah. no, no, no. Christianity co-opted so many things to make yeah. Christmas and other holidays like it yeah. that, um, to give that to Christianity is to give them a win that they don't deserve. Yeah, you know, I was so. say, they co-opted holiday cheer and we're taking it back. That's right. Ridiculously large smile. Some people say keep the, uh, keep the Saturn and Saturnalia. Uh, there are people who, Festivus or whatever the mm -hmm. case may be, there are plenty of people who celebrate Hanukkah who are not Jewish. Reach out to your friends. Reach out to people um, because <laughs> that's important. And it's not always about having those people near you as much as it is reaching out to them. There are people who I absolutely adore. I, I love them. There are people in my life that I don't get to see anymore. But I make sure that I call them every once in a while to tell them I love them because it's important. And make this an excuse to do that. Here's the deal. Uh, Frude, do you like Christmas mm -hmm. music? I love Christmas music. Okay, then you yeah, should listen to Christmas music. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, are there any Christmas mm -hmm. foods that you really enjoy? 
yeah. Like what? Uh, we have something uh, really Norwegian called pinnekjøtt. Uh, what it is is smoked uh, meat, uh, sheep meat, uh, and we Ooh. have it with. Yeah, it's really good. We have it with uh, potatoes. Uh, it's it's especially if you're from the southern part of Nor- Norway, in the like in the middle of part of Nor- Norway, we we speak we eat something called ribben that is more like something from from uh, pig and uh, we also have something uh, really terrible that you should all google called uh, lutefisk and oh yeah we know what uh, lutefisk is lutefisk yeah so so, so <laughs> those things that you like go and do those things go eat those yeah. things right are there any specific activities that you like doing uh, around this time, uh, maybe it's well, making mold wine or going singing. Going to church, listening to Christmas music. Then go because do that. There's a lot of yeah. Christmas. Isn't it kind of no? Isn't yeah. it kind of no? Not at all. Doors are open to everyone. And honestly, man, no one is here to judge you. Go do those things that make you happy. I, and I mean, really, honestly, there there are some Christmas songs that are overtly religious that get stuck in my head every year that I wind up listening to, and I absolutely adore. Good news: there's no wrong way to do your way. Yeah. So uh, let's let's up do some in Norway. I want to wish you all a happy holiday season for whatever, whatever, and however you celebrate, and uh, and a happy new year in 2019. All the best in 2019. Happy Kwanzaa. Feliz Navidad.